Welcome to Imperfect Action. I'm Brock Edwards. Today's guest is Chris Hutchinson. Chris, um, let's just jump in. Introduce yourself here. Well, uh, Brock, I'm glad to be here. It's always fun to talk to with people who are changing the world or inspiring others to do that same. Um, I am uh, frequently known as a recovering engineer, I introduce that way. And that works really great, except if there's engineers in the room. But essentially what it means is that building on a technical career, uh, I could see where leaders made a tremendous difference in the organization, actually beyond what I could do as an engineer. So quite a while ago, I got really interested in leadership and how I could learn to be a better leader. And that's turned into a lifelong pursuit of helping leaders and teams get clear and confident about what they're doing. So how does being a uh, engineer or having that training, how does that help you as you look at organizations and at leaders? I think it helps me in two ways. One is I have um, I learned systems thinking in terms of seeing, well, we're going to go do something. We try a process or maybe we make it up as we go and we hope to get a better result. We compare that back to the beginning and say, are we making a difference? So it's sort of breaking things down into pieces and seeing activities as part of a greater whole. The thing that sort of separated me from the, some other engineers that were fantastic was that I wanted to draw the line not around the device we were making, but around the people that were using the device. And we who were helping the people use the device, I saw that all as part of the system. How do people work together? So when I've, I've seen beautiful, beautiful systems that are just flawless, but nobody owned them and people didn't use them very well. And I've seen other organizations where they didn't have really a system. They made it up every single time. Everybody was holding hands. It was pretty cool. It would bump really hard if somebody got sick or, you know, left, but it would work pretty well. And I'm like, you know, if we could have the people really engaged together, build the system that's going to honor them and everybody else, total win. Now, that's pretty cool. I think thinking about the system is including the, the end users. and Radical. Very radical. Yeah, They're I, like, I mean, Chris, it, go sit down on your computer. You don't need to talk to people who are using it. I'm like, I'm, I'm curious. You know, maybe we're asking the wrong questions. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is interesting, and, and I haven't thought about it that way. I mean, you think about designing the, the system or the, or the process that the end user is going to use and, and you know, a great customer experience or, or whatever you want to call it as it would apply, um, but – to, to actually loop them in as part of the process and therefore a variable in mm -hmm. the process. Um, uh, that, that's kind of a fun way to think about it. And, and that's a tough way to think about it because you, that, that gets really messy and sloppy really quick. Oh, it totally does. I mean, there are two things I think that can make a difference there. One of them is what uh, we call around here, outcome-based thinking. So sort of projecting yourself mentally to the end and saying, all right, we're, we're walking out of this meeting and we, it's been fantastic because we've accomplished what and we feel in what way. Uh, and if we talk about that at the beginning, the likelihood of us hitting that goes way up. I mean, we could stumble across it somehow. Yeah, I'm sure you've been in those meetings where like, why are we here? I don't know, we always have this meeting. But you know, like, what are we really hoping to achieve here? That lets me alter what I'm doing, you alter what you're doing, we're in this together. And if we can help support each other to get there, we probably will, as long as we agree to that up front. Um, so, so that's that's part of I think the the brilliance of of outcome based thinking. And did I say two things or just one? I don't remember. 
Well, you said you had two things, but but then I, I think you just got as far as the outcome-based thinking. I just got as far. Yeah. Well, that can happen sometimes. Um, <laughs> that's the question again. That sloppy, that, that sloppiness. Oh, the sloppiness. Right. People, Thank yeah. you. See, it's the sloppy people thing. I just demonstrated it right now. That that what's cool is, I mean, everybody is unique as a flower, a snowflake, and no two people are the same. What's amazing um, is that you get people in a room together or on the phone together, and there's a fairly small set of patterns that we play out. It, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen the book, the, you know, said the seven primary stories that basically is every plot line is one variation of the story. Hmm, yeah. It's very similar in terms of meetings of people. You know, where are we going to go? Is somebody going to intentionally or unintentionally hijack this because they are trying to add value? I mean, it, it's a small set. I, I have never sat down and written them. But because of that, it's easy to it's easier to try to help the group stay in the positive patterns and sort of step away from the things that aren't helping them. So you, you didn't mention in your introduction, but uh, you you're the CEO of Trebuchet, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and, and you have the secondary title. And I noticed that a lot of people at your company have a secondary title of uh, abundance influencer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what does that mean, Chris? Well, first of all, those were those are the fun titles. We wanted to have like the serious, you know, normal CEO, you know, put it on the little application thing. Uh, and then we also had the titles that actually were assigned by the rest of the team. So the team says, here's what you do. And for me, uh, influencing abundance is something that I try to do. I try to look, what's the bigger picture? What's the win that we might be missing here? Let's think of this not as we got to get our piece of the pie. How can we grow the pie? so that we can be successful together. And for our clients, that's really important. We're, we could look like extractive, like we go in, we do some work, we get paid some money and they're like, yeah, are we better or not? I feel really strongly the work we do is a byproduct the, of the success we help create. So we help create some success, we're part of that, and we get to share in that success. Not, we'll take what we need, good luck for what you want. So it, that's a scarcity thinking, the last thing I said. But So I, I'm just naturally thinking in abundance almost all the time. Like, how can we make this so it's a win-win? So that almost seems to go against the, the stereotypical uh, engineer training where it's more, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, what what is the the abundance? What's the bigger piece? That's probably why there was times that the engineers kind of kicked me out of discussions. Like, we don't want to talk with you. You know, you're you're looking for success. We're trying to prevent failure. Um, right. I, I think the interesting part about that is, and I, I here I'm going to pick on somebody else. Lawyers, you know, they're usually trying to prevent risk. You know, bad risk. But if you prevent all bad risk, you basically prevent anything positive as well. Um, so I, I think it's sort of you get what you focus on. So if you focus on preventing risk or solving problems, that's all you're going to see instead of saying what's possible. And it's a challenge. I mean, if, if we talked about saving the world in terms of cha- having everybody change how they show up, that's amazing. There's a lot of delta between that and where we are now. So there's plenty of work. It's not people are bad. We can get better. And these are things we can do. It's a, it's a challenge, though. Like, if we don't do anything about it, we'll stay at this potential that we never reach. So tell me a little bit more about that, Chris, about how we're showing up. I mean, like you, you mentioned, if we could change everyone, but let's just focus on the listener. If we could change okay. you know, one person <laughs> awesome on how they're people. showing up. I don't up. know. They're probably too good anyway. They're, they're just listening to this to validate they're awesome. But <laughs> So changing how people show up, or what is the importance of how we show up? Oh, what is the importance? I think 
that how I show up completely influences the experience that I have. And I'm not at quite the point where I'm completely creating my own reality because I think there's a lot of external things that occur. How I show up and interpret that reality and what attitude I choose to have going into that can absolutely influence the outcome. So I, I think it's, it's – and since I focus on leadership, I think the leader is in a position where they have both the positive and the negative sides of that leverage positive side is they can show up, have a positive example. People will be inspired. We're going to go do amazing things that they couldn't themselves do. The negative side of that is if I show up scarcity-minded, being critical, um, trying to figure out, you know, maybe I'll have people compete against each other and figure out who wins kind of thing. I mean, some positiveness can come out of that, but mostly somebody's going to lose. And if I show up that way, I'm basically pulling everybody down. There might be, you know, that shows up in people especially political leaders, leaders of companies where they have, they're given authority essentially from other people that says, hey, I'm willing to follow you or you're in a position I'm supposed to follow. How do they respect that is an example of how really how we all show up and influence other people. It's just a lot more visible when they're on the TV every day or thousands of people are watching their moves every day. Yeah. Yeah. I used to work with a guy and he, he described it as, you know, when the boss has a bad day, everyone has a bad week. When the boss has a bad week, everyone has a bad month. Yeah. So it, it, it kind of, kind of rolls that way. So, but here's the tricky thing, like how we show up and how we think we're showing up, uh, you know, there's sometimes a disconnect there. How, how do you help leaders uh, modulate that, you, you know, f- figure out, what, how they're really coming across to others versus how they think they're coming across. Mm-hmm. Fantastic question. Because I, it really is not something I can, uh, my staff, or I can make people do. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to be open to perspectives that are different. Um, some of it can be in the hard results. Although when the story is strong enough, I can tell you that those results have nothing to do with me. So if I think of myself as a fantastic leader and something doesn't show up, it's like, well, that's not my problem. So it's, it starts with examining your own stories. Some of them are really powerfully good. Like, hey, I'm a great leader. That, that could motivate me and do good things. It also could be a shadow of I'm not going to see those things I'm doing that aren't great leadership because I would never do bad leadership because that's not me. So, so being open to that, I think, is part of it. Frequently, it's in results. And in fact, that's, it's a lot safer for most leaders to talk about how the team is working. So in fact, we have some folks that uh, we have the same work. It could be called leadership coaching or team coordination meetings. Depends on the ego of the leader. If the leader is like, hey, I know I'm part of the solution. I'm part of the problem. Let's work on me and how I can help the team. We're like, great. If other people are like, man, my team is really messed up. I'm having a hard time with them. Can you help me with that? And then we'll meet and talk about what the team needs and then correspondingly what that might ask of the leader. It's the same exact work, but it depends on really it's not meant to be um, putting people down. It's more what's going to help them where they are. And then how does that help the team, which then gives them some energy that says this is the right thing to do. And we just do the right things, even if it may not be for the exact right reason. So we were talking a little bit before we started recording, Chris, about uh, thought into action and the di- difference between being a thought leader and someone who actually move, move that thought into something that does something, um, action. So talk to me a little bit about that. What, what does that thought into action mean to you? Thought into action means actually, it means taking some possibility and trying it out. 
I, I love the imperfect action because that is exactly what I'm talking about. It is that it's better to try something imperfectly and, and adjust it when you get feedback from the real world than to try to make it perfect in your own mind or make sure everybody's absolutely agreeing with it because it's likely going to change as soon as it does hit the real world. One of the things I, I learned, I don't know the exact statistic, but there's something upwards of 250 million diet books sold every year in the United States. Almost one per person. So, so is that 250 million total or 250 million different titles? I think they're, well, I don't know the exact thing, but it's total, right? 250 okay. million, you know, single books, different titles. And so it's, and we're in an epidemic of obesity, so it's not the thoughts. We have all the thoughts that are available to tell you how to live healthily and to eat right and exercise. It's the action that's going to make the difference. So that knowing doing gap is something I think is so critical to close because the hard part is thoughts are really energizing. They're stimulating. It's like, oh, that would be cool. That's neat. Until you actually try it, it's just a nice idea. And a lot of, a lot of folks, even with some of the materials we use, they say, oh, yeah, we read a book on that. And yes, uh, we understand what trust is and what conflict is and commitment. You know, yeah, we, we put the poster on the wall. So the thoughts were there. Good ideas. And I said, so how is the team working together? Oh, no, we hate each other. Nobody will trust anybody for anything. But we know what it should look like. So that, that piece, though, of as we go from we've got these great ideas uh, and, and, you know, some people are naturally inclined to uh, say deep analysis, you know, that that's, yes. that's where they go to. They would rather think about it for another day than risk having anything break. So, <laughs> Which might be uh, really important if it's like putting someone in the moon or, or, you know, sending up a space shuttle, that could be a big deal. Right. But anyway, keep going. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. There, there is kind of that, that binary, you know, I have to think through it versus, well, yeah, some things I really need to think through, you, you mm -hmm. know, like if I, you know, if I needed a brain surgeon, I don't want someone showing up with a, yeah, you know, that's good enough. Well, sure. we'll get through Let's it. try that. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't want that, but you know, I also don't need to, you know, create spreadsheets to decide which shampoo to buy either, you know, right. you know, <laughs> totally get you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so, but how do you help create that culture where, you know, that, that imp imperfect is okay, that that mistake was okay, mm -hmm. that there isn't the fear of, oh, what's the repercussion going to be? You know, because sure, the boss says it doesn't have to be perfect, but we also know how the boss responds. Mm -hmm. Well, a couple things. I think part of it is what are we aiming at overall and how important is that and in context? So it puts, you know, if, if we were really, you and I, give us our, you know, handshake and say, we're going to save the world because we're going to help everybody change, you know, one or two people having a hard day or us being imperfect in how we put it out there. That's okay. Cause look at all the good it's going to do. So thinking the bigger context and sort of framing how important is this going to be in a week, a month, a year uh, can give some sense to that, to where we're going. I think another piece about, you know, getting to action or allowing it to be not perfect what we do, for instance, is we really encourage teams to aim for commitment, not agreement. And what we mean, what we mean by that is that uh, when we walk out of this room, let's say there's something we have to decide, and it's a, it's a tough decision, and I, as the leader, want everybody's input. I'm not just going to say this is the way it is because we're really wrestling with it. I want everybody's perspective on there, even when they disagree. 
and we're going to talk it out and we're not going to get the full agreement. I'm not going to wait till everybody's fully agreed on this. We're going to get to where the majority of the people agree and everyone can commit to it. And we actually do that with a thumb. You know, if it's up, that means I commit and I agree. Sideways is means I commit even though I don't agree or it's not that big of a deal for me. I can live with it. Sideways does not mean I'm halfway agreeing and halfway committing and I'll tell you later why well, yeah, that was stupid. And basically, if the thumb is down, that means I can't commit to this because I have a piece of information that says this is a terrible decision. So people so will share is, that. Is, so is that a vote thing or does everyone have to at least be thumb sideways? Everybody has to be at least thumb sideways. Ideally, uh, as you can imagine, like if, if we all, nobody agrees with it, but we're all willing to do it, there's another issue maybe going on. So um, unless it's something like we've had people from above, you will take a reduction in headcount, period. And they had to figure, nobody wanted to do it. Right. And they, if, unless they figured out to something uh, that they would commit to together, it wasn't going to go forward. You know, other things were going to happen. So they had to commit to something they didn't like at all. But most of the time, if most of the people are up, the rest of the people are sideways, we move on. We don't talk about why you're just sort of why it's a challenge for you, we just move on. And so that's allowing the team, and it's very uncomfortable at first, to put forward something imperfect, commit to make it better and make it work. Well, you know, kind of along those lines then, you know, that there's a difference, or at least there, I think there's a line in there between helping people be better leaders, uh, you know, show up better, be better in their lives, and running the business that helps people do that. Mm-hmm. So for, for you, what, what have been some of the challenges of just, you know, the, the day-to-day we're running a business? Yes, we help people and that's awesome. But at the end of the day, we're running a business. Yes, that's a great question. And I think around, for us at least, it's living out our values, not just that there are something on the wall, but we really do it. So one of our deeply held values is that people are doing the best they can. That no matter how it looks on the outside, it is the best they can do. And we should respect that. And a number of years ago, I had a fellow who uh, we also believe in, you know, not seeing people as whole and complete. So there's a couple of things that are sort of foundational for us. They're, they're present to play values. If you don't have them, you probably shouldn't be here. And at first he showed up being really supportive and helpful. And then this language started creeping into when he was talking about clients and them being stupid and they don't know what they're doing without me. And, and it was it was to the point where I asked him point blank at a private meeting. Okay. It sounds like, I mean, I hear this language and we're not fixers. We don't fix anybody, maybe ourselves. And I hear you, this language, you know, it, what, what is this about? And he did some introspection and said, no, I, I, I guess I really do feel like I have to be the fixer. I have to be the hero. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh man, that's a bummer because that doesn't work. Because what happens is if I show up as a hero, you're inadequate from the start. And we, I don't want to make you inadequate. You're doing the best you can. So we're going to say that's what it is. And how could it be better on your terms, not ours? So that's really important for us. Deeply held value. And he couldn't work here anymore. And he's doing the best he can. And he's a whole and complete person. So I actually ended up talking with him about what he wanted to do. And he thought, hey, I think I'll open my own consulting company. I'll be doing this similar stuff, not the same. And, but it's going to cost too much money. I can't do that. Oh, really? What would you call your company? He told me some of the, anyways, long story short, then two days later, we presented him with a certificate from the Department of State with a name registered, a coupon for GoDaddy, 
um, coupon for I know it was Moo or something where there was actual um, cards you could get. And we said, these are two clients we hear you don't really talk bad things about, so we want you to take those. So we were living out our values, painful for the business, but absolutely vital because if we didn't do that, who are we? What are we really doing? So what has been the, the biggest challenge for you just in, in your growth as a leader? I mean, you started as an engineer, got into leadership, mm-hmm. and then you've been on, on this journey of helping other leaders. I mean, for you, what was kind of that, that biggest hurdle? The biggest hurdle probably came from engineering where I was trained to have an answer and realizing that following this thread that I'm speaking about, there is no one answer for the client. In fact, it's what's going to work for the client is the answer. So and getting out of my own way and my need to have the right answer and my need to say, well, it's very clear. Here's what you should do. When that's, that's disrespectful, it's probably not right. And even if it was, the ownership of it is almost zero, if not negative, for some of the company. They'd be like, well, who are you to tell? You know what? I'll show you how this isn't working because you didn't talk to me. So I think trying to get out of my own way, having that desire to help and pushing it far enough forward so that I could ask good questions to have other people help themselves. It, 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 that's what sticks. That's what works. But it's not fun. It's not very rewarding at times because I'm not saying, well, here's the answer and feeling all good about it. I feel good now. It's taken me years to where you know I know they're thinking really hard and they're struggling. And actually, that's good that they're struggling. And I'm not helping them beyond uh, making sure they don't go under because that's the way they're going to learn to swim. Um, so, so getting out of the way and then likewise, not only with my clients, but doing that with my staff. I've been doing this for a while. I think I know what I'm doing doesn't mean I should tell them what to do. So uh, growing as a leader to be more of a coach and a facilitator rather than a director of actions has been a challenge and, a, and also a wonderful benefit for me. Now, I'm curious about the, the sales pitch to that. Um, you, you know, when, when firms are, are hiring you as a consultant, typically they hire a consultant to come in with an answer. Yes, and your approach is is very clearly we don't do that. Um, <laughs> oh, it works, yay! <laughs> so, so how does that conversation? I mean, you know, because I like to play with ridiculous ideas, so I kind of go to the you know, hey, you're going to pay us money, and we're not the ones solving your problem. You are. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously that's not your sales pitch, but but what what is it that has people going? Yeah, okay, we need to work with you. Usually it's because, uh, first of all, I get a little nervous tick when people call us a consultant. I, I'll admit that we are in that category, but just because of what you said, we don't really have an answer uh, usually. So my typical sales approach is around where do you want to go? How's it going? What have you tried? Which usually is somebody, somebody came in and had an answer that didn't work. And then the team overthrew that or, or did whatever they wanted to do. And um, how important is it to get there? And you know, what's in your way? How could we help? So it's really from the very first conversation, it's a collaborative effort to see what might we do together. And the clients that really work with us well appreciate that. And I mean, sometimes they settle back in their seat when we ask them, what have you tried? And they're like, oh my God, it feels like flavor of the quarter. We've tried so many things, they're not really working. And we, we talk about, well, what's the commonality in those? Usually it's somebody coming and saying, convert to this thing, this religion or practice or else. 
you're, you're doomed, right? I'm like, you're doing, you're probably doing the best you can. There's more you can do. I'm sure that it's there. We just need to unearth it. And, and that's what we find. I'm not, I'm not selling something that we haven't found. So it's, it's really collaborating, I think. And the ones that say, you know what, this is going to get us to where we want to go. We work with them for a little while. We transfer skills and abilities to them so they can do it themselves. And then inevitably, a couple months later, when we're checking in, they're saying, hey, do you do strategic planning? Um, could you help us with visioning with our board? And we say, I don't know. Let's talk about what they need and, and we'll offer if we really can't help or not. So I think it's a genuine relationship and admitting that we're not per- we're not perfect because that then lets them know it's okay not to be perfect. We can be better together. So what's the magic in the in being human? Because because you're right, so often the sales pitch is we are the only solution for you. Yeah. Uh, regardless of what it is, like in every aspect of life, you know, that, oh, that's yeah. the pitch. Yep. Um and yet there is something really, really powerful about the humanness to it. Um, I don't know. I, in my head as we're talking, I'm just try, trying to kind of work out that, that balance between, you know, how I can help you be even better. And yet, by the way, I'm flawed myself. Mm-hmm. And, and so, Chris, I don't think I have a question here. It's, no, I, um, you're exploring. And this, that's exactly the, the, the challenge there. The challenge is how could somebody who's not perfect or flawed be able to help somebody else who's flawed? And I, I think in many cases, we are a half step ahead of our clients. We're, we're, not, we're not at the top of the mountain saying, follow this rope. We're also not at base camp sitting there, you know, drinking coffee and talking on the radio. Man, that storm looks bad. Good luck. It's we are roped together, climbing the crevice together. And, you know, we could fall in, they could fall in, but hopefully we're there to pull each other out. And... We've been up the mountain a bunch of times with a lot of different people, but not that—not you, not with your team, not with your challenges. And so it is unique and about you. And there are patterns, again, that, you know, things can happen or not. Let's, let's look at those in advance and figure out how do we help you stretch yourself so that space is a place your team can move into. Because in our language, the, the organizations go as far as leaders can grow and let go. So if, if, if you agree with that, and we can help you grow and let go. If you do want your organization to go farther, that's the best way probably to do it. And they'll be stumbling uh, as we go and we'll figure it out. We even have conversations um, during our coaching engagements. There's a, there's a little box on our agreement that says, we're going to get together and see how things go. And I, I would ask you, hey, what? everything's going great based on what we're saying. What's something that right now is not a big deal, but later on we might regret it? And it might be how I'm showing up to the meetings. Yeah, Chris, I'd like a little more structure or, you know, um, there's a problem with how we're getting connected. That also gives me permission to say, you know, the fact that you're rescheduled a couple of times makes me wonder what's up. Is this important enough for you? So it's really a shared, we're in this together. I think that's one of the best ways to get through difficult times. So I'm a big fan of questions and you're good at questions. I love, I love that question of what's not a big deal now but later I might regret it because there is so much where, you know, I always fear my blind spots. Like what is it that I'm not seeing that everyone just assumes that I'm seeing? Mm-hmm. And, and they're probably pissed I, that you're not doing anything about it because of course you see it. So it must be intentional. Right. Rock. You're doing this on purpose. There is it some kind of evil in you, you know, that's the way the story goes. Cause we, we have brains that look for problems. Very much so. And, and you know, what I find is that the really big problems sort themselves out. Like, when you really screw up, people let you know. 
I, Usually. And, you know, but it's that, you know, I think of it as like the pebble in the shoe problem. It's just that ongoing annoyance that seems too little to bring up until one day someone snaps about it. And, right, right. And that's just such a great question to be able to just get things out on the table, you know, in a very non-threatening way. I mean, I love that. What's not a big deal now? Mm-hmm. Um I think it's really important not to like trigger people's amygdalas. You know, once people get in defensiveness, um, brain, you know, the brain's literally going to move to fight or flight, blood drains out of the frontal cortex. You're not thinking, you're reacting. And so it's not a PC, let's see, how do we ask this real nicely? It's how do I, instead of face-to-face pointing you in the chest, you and I are shoulder-to-shoulder looking at the the whiteboard and we're both, you know, you're pointing up at that and going, what is that? And I go, that's interesting. Yeah, we should work. We got to work on that. So it's you and me versus the problem instead of you versus me. It makes such a difference to your ability to handle it, even if it is like, yeah, that is something I do sometimes, you know, versus not me. Excuse me. Who are you? I've hired you. Why are you telling me something like this? And that's not going to help either of us. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I know you have kids because they're on your LinkedIn profile. Yes, and I kids think, are that, I think that's teachers. really fun. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Kid, I, I always thought kids are the best leadership te- teachers out there because they just have no filters, bar none, um, bar none. And they're they're not worried about what you think about them, especially when they're younger. Right. Um, and uh, so I- anyway, when you think about your kids, you know, my daughter is is about to go into college, and so when you think about kind of that eighteen year old, when your kids get get to be that age or whatever, what advice would you have for someone who's, you know, they're an adult now, they're setting out into the world, but, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of a big, scary place. Mm-hmm. I think, well, I'd hope that when they got to that point, they had made lots and lots of mistakes and positively were supported through the consequences mm-hmm. so that they felt it's okay to make a mistake versus I have to be perfect. Um, the, unfortunately, I mean, I was trained, I have to be perfect. So I had to kind of unlearn that. Uh, because it drove me to all sorts of less than helpful behavior. But thinking, you know, I'm good enough and uh, I can make mistakes and learn from them, I think is a, if we can get them there, great. But if, if they're standing there, it would be like really explore, not go find your perfect passion, which you could, there's a lot of in, advice that sort of if you haven't found that, you're, you've lost. I, don't, I think try stuff. Do as many different things as you can do and look to see what energizes you and what's challenging, knowing that there'll be plumbing with the poetry, as someone once told me. You know, There's going to be both parts of that. But look for the places where you're energized and you feel like you're alive and it's making a difference and it's worth doing the hard work to get there. And follow that, follow that radio beam wherever it takes you. I think that's, that's what I hope. I have one college graduate who's out in the real world and I've got down to an 11 year old. So we have people in various stages for kids uh, of learning this. And, and I just, I really want to encourage them to just go out and try, be imperfect, try, get better um, and enjoy what you're doing. Well, two final questions for you here, Chris. First one is just how can people help you? I mean, how can the listeners help you out? I think thinking about themselves in whatever they do and considering that they could be a leader, people could be following them, whether or not they're a formal leader or not, and going out and trying things. Um, I, I did write a book uh, to try to help people, sort of equip them. It's sort of a, somebody told me it was a children's auto repair manual for leadership. Here's the things you can do for yourself. 
do for others and with others and how we can work on the organization together. Um, so heck, pick one up in a library or something and try things out. Uh, I tried to make the book so that people could look at that and go, well, heck, I can do that in five minutes. So let me try, you know, put the bar down low. I also yeah. say, um, you know, doing the best they can to try to help other people be successful, you know, whether that's helping them make mistakes, uh, helping support them through struggle and, and trying to look for organizations that, that are going to support that in people. Cause I think if we do that, if all of us do that, I, I'll sort of be out of a job, which would be awesome. You know, that we don't have to relearn how we're doing work and people can show up and give their full selves out there. If they'd love to work with us, Hey, love to have a conversation to see, you know, maybe there's some questions we could ask to see if it would be good to work together. But if I really see, I mean, I think I'm with you in that like the, I will feel so fulfilled if the world were able to be a place where people can fully use their skills, feel very confident about where they're going and have a lot of clarity together about what they're going to do to get there. Absolutely. So, well, first off, you know, what, what is the name of your book and then where can people find you? Sure. So the name of the book is called Ripple, a field manual for leadership that works with the double entendre on purpose. People are working leaders and leadership that's actually going to be effective. Um, you can find it at rippleleader.com. It's also on Amazon. Some entrepreneuring person figured out if you buy copies and then mark them up double and put a prime on there, they go up to the top. So it looks like I'm making $65, $75 a book. But if you go to uh, my website, you'll be able to get them for like you know 30 bucks or whatever. So that would be cool. Um, also, our company website is trebuchetgroup.com or trebuchetgroup.com. I think we're the only one, so you should find it. And it'd be fun to have people check out the blog, interact, you know, ask questions. We answer a lot of people's questions sort of in the click and clack, you know, how do you solve this leadership challenge kind of thing. So it'd be, it would be great to hear from people on uh, what sort of things they're facing and maybe we can give them some ideas of where to get started. Sounds great. Well, Chris, thank you for being on today. It's been a real pleasure, Brock. You asked some terrific questions, and I just appreciate how you're showing up to help people decide how they want to, how they want to improve what they're doing, regardless of where they're starting from.